know how we do. Rock and trap. Forever. We are fully back. This hiatus has been way too long. We actually low-key have recorded a pod in between, and it was horrifying, so it's just going to be suppressed in our archives. Yeah, that podcast will be dropping October 19th, 2026, so if you do want to hear that when we're famous, look forward to that, but we're back, man. Hiatus, you were in Mexico, I was in Washington, D.C., Things have happened. Politics has happened. Basketball has happened. I'm sure all the listeners have been losing sleep like night in, night out. It's been really tough on you. And just thank you to everyone in Portugal still listening. Yeah, thank you to everyone in Ireland. Uh, You know, Conor McGregor, Ireland, let's go. Yeah, so we are fully back. And we are in the heat of the moment of the playoffs. We have both conference finals set. We're in the middle of them. Yeah. Uh, Well, a little bit. Uh, We're early on in the Lakers series. But we're getting going, and there's juice. So I think that's the best way to start us off. Okay. Let's start with the Heat-Boston series, which has been a roller coaster so far. Right now, just for everyone's context, the series is 2-1. Boston won last night um, and had a really good performance. Any preliminary takes on what's going on here. So we just have to address the elephant in the room. Major fight after game two in the Boston locker room. Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, we could see the tension on the court all of game two. Kemba Walker and Marcus Smart were getting into it. So it's so big that Brad Stevens pulled them together after like they had a physical altercation in the locker room and had them really triumph in game three. So I think what an exciting series we have. Yeah. And so the first two games, Celtics looked amazing at some points yes. too. And Listen, they make some tough shots. Kemba makes some tough shots, and they do rely a little bit more on iso ball than maybe you would like. But they've been up like all three of these games. They could have won these double games. They were leads. up double digit leads, and the grit and intensity of this Heat team have come back. So, with that being said, there's kind of this narrative now going like, "Holy shit, are the Heat now losing it just off one game based off this?" Do you think this is actually a narrative? I definitely don't buy into that narrative. What I will say is, I did. Bet Celtics before Game Three plus two forty five to win the series. I thought such a weirdly low price should have been plus four fifty when you're down two zero. So I went for it. So I don't think this one game means anything. I think it's a very even match series. And what I've always said is that when push comes to shove, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are so elite. And then it's Jimmy Butler and Bam. And like, are they going to be able to stack up? That's what this series is about. So how I look at this series, though, it's super nerdy. So you have these two coaches, and, like, when I'm watching these games, I'm sitting down, and I'm, like, honestly, geeking out the hardest. 100%. It's it's heaven, because it's just crazy. And so here's a couple things that uh, thoughts that I've had on the series is I really don't understand when Bam comes off the court why Brad hasn't been like, okay, we can play small. Why can't you play Tatum as your biggest guy against Olenek? What's the issue there? What, well, or at, if, when Derek Jones is the biggest guy. Because when they go small, when they have Bam off the court, there's actually really no threat that they can't be super nimble. Super. Let me just give you devil's advocate real quick. And I didn't look at the rebounding stats before the podcast, podcast which I should have. But I have noticed just from my um, me watching the games, when Bam is out, Cel- uh, the or even in general, the Celtics are just struggling to rebound, and the Heat are getting a lot of second chances, a lot of third chances. So that might be a reason why Brad Stevens feels obligated to keep Grant Williams out there at like their stretch five and things like that instead of going Tatum at the. Five. I love that you brought up Grant Williams, who to me is like a PJ Tucker clone. Yeah, we love him, and these guys are just so valuable and precious, and precious. And so why? To me, although Tice has obviously in some capacities been very good, yeah, 
Grant Williams corner shooting is just too valuable to, to for them to abandon. It, it almost makes me feel like they'll have a way better shot if he's playing 30 minutes and Tice is playing 18. Yeah, I agree with you. Tice has been really good. And we've always said we love Tice. We just hate his position in the modern NBA, right? So I think we, we should always – I always just defer to Brad. He's such a genius. He knows how to maximize the roster. And I'm with you. It's such a geek-out series, and it's literally so fun to watch, even under these circumstances. Yeah, so – and not to – belabor the point too much but you saw kind of brad stevens a little bit confused in the first two games as to do we go a little bit of canter right do we do this? and it was like that center thing was actually causing them this issue because they weren't sure how to approach it it seems like last game they actually maybe now figured it out that it should be some sort of blend more of of uh of the pj tucker guy whatever Grant Grant Williams. Williams yes, and, i agree tice and tice i agree and it was and the reason why they can't play canter is because his defense is abysmal Kemble Walker's defense has also been abysmal, and I really feel that was the origins of the fighting game too. You can't get, you're switching everything, which the Celtics do a lot of on defense, and you just like lose, your man gets to the hoop every time. Obviously, Marcus Smart was freaking out at him. So unbelievable series, so hot. Okay, so more a little more nerdiness. We, we could keep we going to. here. We're nerds, yeah, we're nerds, but the zones. So this this zone where they're playing these, the Heat are playing these two wings up top. Um, usually you see the two guards up top, which would generally be like Hero and Project, actually hide those guys in the corners. Right. And then they have Derek Jones and either like Derek Jones and Guadalla or Jimmy Butler, Derek Jones, kind of swarming the ball up top. It's caused a lot of turnover problems for the Celtics. Last night, though, seemed to kind of get a little picked apart. And that's Brad Stevens just like being a genius. But what I will say, Derek Jones, freak defender. Freak defender. Freak defender. And Freak. very valuable. Very like, valuable. For a role. Conversely, Tyler Hero has a very similar effect to Kemba Walker. He kind of gets blown by a lot of the time. So when you can, you know, that's like playing chess as a coach. Okay, we're going to mix in zone. Just because we're like not – if we play man the entire game, we're going to get exploited and it's going to be easy to beat. Let's mix it up. Let's play chess. And I think we saw that on display in all three games so far. And another thing that we've just been amazed by is just Tyler Hero. Here's a stat for you guys. So – he had 16 points in the second quarter. It is the second most in playoff quarter from anyone 20 or younger since Kobe Bryant in 1997. I know this is not meant to be like a race thing, but I do feel like people see someone who's kind of white and whatever and may say like, oh, he's not athletic. He may not have it. He has a full game, and I actually think there's a real potential superstar here. This is year one. He's 20. No one was more bullish on Tyler Hero than us. And what I will say is if we ran the if we ran the projection or the simulation a thousand times, we never in our wildest dreams would have thought we were seeing what we're seeing in this playoffs. This guy had a really bad injury to end the season. He almost he missed almost like the second half of the season. And for him to come out and be like Harden-esque his rookie year at 20 is insane. We are blown away. Yeah, and like we sometimes become prisoners of the moments like and it's just like oh shit like is bam the best center in the league because he's playing amazing right now and and i actually think there is possible there i, I hate to be a prisoner of the moment but same thing with hero like he has some really unique hardened in like uh like patience and ability to get to the rim and this is year one so i can't imagine what year nine looks like Moving on. Now we have the Lakers Nuggets series as well. Okay. Pretty much everyone's giving Nuggets no shot, and that's what it looked like in game one. It was a crazy blowout. Mm -hmm. Do you give the Nuggets a shot? I do, just because I still have been saying this, and I've been wrong in every single series. I was wrong for the regular season. I don't feel after AD and LeBron that the Lakers team is good. Rondo has been incredible. Uh, 
And like, so I do give them a chance. I mean, the bookmakers don't give them a chance either. So that's not usually a good, uh, a, a good thing for the Nuggets. But what do you think? So the Lakers have seemed to really settle into something here. Mm. And are we seeing a little bit with Caruso, this Fred Van Fleet factor? <laughs> because, and listen, obviously Fred Van Fleet has grown and become a really good team. But yeah. going into the playoffs last year, we didn't really think much yeah. of Van Fleet. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you have guys that are good. So this lineup with Rondo and... And Caruso, as your two guards, has kind of turned into a formidable yeah. option for the Lakers. Coupled with the old adage of just when you have the two best players on the court, sometimes it really does work and you can hide a lot of shitty players. Definitely. It's like, no, Caruso is not Fred Van Vliet, but he's like maybe 73% of him. And that's pretty much good enough when you do have two of the top five players in the league. So Kuzma's th- looking a lot better in the uh-huh. role. He is. He's just looking a lot better at scoring. He he provides this punch. Yeah. Honestly, like we're saying, like when you have two of the best players in the world, if you have any innate talent, any ability, any skill set, and people are going to hype you up on it, if he was on a team like the Bucks, he would get exploited. But I'm with you. I think it could be over and four. So here's the point that I want to make, and this is what makes me really sad about Denver. Is okay. You see the Heat, and okay. Heat are a team that have maxed out what they could possibly do with their roster. Mm. They have basically constructed it so you could say, mm, maybe not the most talented team, but zero holes. And my wish for Denver is like, why couldn't you have done that? Like, you just have a little bit of dead weight with Millsap, Ooh. who is playing well, but you yes. could just have done $30 better. Million. Yeah, $30 million. So Millsap. he's not playing $30 million well. He is not playing $30 million well. And regardless, though, all I'm trying to say is you see how the Heat are less talented, but have maximized every inch of this roster. It's like, okay, you want to go versatile? We'll hit you with Derrick Jones. We'll hit you with this. You want to go shooter? Okay, we'll hit you with this. We'll hit you with this. I wish that Denver had that. And unfortunately, I think they have zero shot in in this series. Zero. Because, I think zero, because they didn't fine-tune their ability to just force a team to be uncomfortable at all times. I want to just quickly throw it right back at you. Weren't you telling me they should have traded Millsap at the deadline or... Should they have tried to get one of these big contracts off for another superstar? Like, this was the time. You know, he opted into a player option, so, like, it's pretty much an expiring deal. Teams that want cap space, that becomes very lucrative and enticing. Do you think they miss an opportunity by not doing that? I am huge on this, and we've talked some names, and it's been hard to identify certain right. names. Like, I've said Kevin Love, which obviously sacrifices defense, but... Listen, if you're a certain level of high-octane offense, like, that could really pose problems for another team. Other guys I've said would be, like, potentially maybe Blake Griffin or... Chris Paul. I mean, you have to throw that name out Chris there. Paul. I'm not sure what his availability was, but, yeah, that would have been interesting. Russell Westbrook. Um, I don't know if that would have been the right fit for this team. I would try to basically find guys who could just continue down their path of, like, we are so elite at offense yeah. kind of thing. And just make teams super scared. It's hard to pinpoint guys who are available in the league that are like really good. Mm. But we dropped like Miles Turner maybe was available. Marcus Aldridge, DeMar DeRozan. Like there's just pieces that they could have got. Whether we DeMar love- off the bench maybe could have been interesting. Like how Jimmy Butler plays for the Heat. Yeah. That was something that they could have had. And, and instead they have Millsap who I like and we like. But he's just like such dead weight out there and he's not nimble and he's not good on he's not great on defense so i just think huge missed opportunity yeah and when they play with um jaron jaron grant yeah. as the power forward they're great. so much more modern nba but hides millsap at hides jokic way better yeah 
Um, Jokic, surprisingly, even though I to the eye test looks like he's a bad defender, he always scores good on advanced D. So polarizing player, obviously so elite on offense, it's off the charts. Yeah. I still like Denver long term. Um, and we've I see something similar to what we saw with Dirk with Jokic yeah. and like the run that he is having now or could potentially have in his career is very Dirk-esque. Can I throw something at you real quick? So in, we kind of hyped up the Eastern coaches as being these gurus, Brad Stevens, Eric Spolstra. Do you think that's going to be a big factor when we get to the finals, irrelevant of the teams? We have Frank Vogel and uh, Mike Malone competing against Spolstra and Brad Stevens. How much, uh, how much weight do you put in that factor? I think this goes into my next question for you, but just to touch on that is, Frank Vogel clearly defensively is something. He oh. was amazing on Indiana. Yeah. That team competed with the Heat yeah. solely because they were just a good defensive team. True. Literally. And what we're seeing now is when teams get the Lakers chasing, they're not chasing. Somehow they're there. And whether it's a personnel thing or a schematic thing, like they are really good. So I think for that side of the ball, he's very good. And then you just rely on LeBron being which LeBron good. getting to the rim on the offensive side, which makes them really big favorites. Obviously, Denver, I think, is extremely flawed defensive uh, uh coaching wise because you've seen this highlighted by michael porter jr he's saying dude we just go into this straight pick and roll right with jokic and murray down That's the stretch stupid. it's like yo come on have some ingenuity clippers were similar they're like yo we're just two superstars we're gonna be Right. play superstar ball the league is too smart for that right days. and that's where it's like does a team like denver move on from a coach like michael malone if they lose to the Lakers 4-0, like, I would advocate... D'Antoni. Yeah. Oh, no. But yes. I, no. Yes, but no. The flow. Like, there are some, like, there's just some coaches in this game that are just, like, on the next level. Popovich might be a free agent this offseason, so you just have to go get them if they become available. Yeah, and another storyline that I think we're seeing with the fam, with the Jokic, with LeBron, um, is just this sense of, like, low players yeah quick touch passing players no guys who hoard the ball like an Embiid who hoards the ball oh. and just everyone has to stand on their hands on their hips on the sidelines while he's dribbling uh to try to score you have guys that are quick touching players mm -hmm. the ball never sticks and that's important so let's go into this here are some updated offs to win the championship oh, cool. as of today celtics plus 800 Ooh, oh. nuggets 25 to 1 out lakers minus 300 what? heat 6 to 1 uh heat value all day and just like surprisingly low number for the Celtics, but it makes sense in in conjunction with the minus three hundred for the Lakers. Yeah, Celtics, but going into the last game were twelve fifty. That is a big number. That's huge, and that probably would have been a better bet for me. I told you I took yeah. plus plus two thirty five. I definitely side. like the East side plus two thirty five when they're down two zero on a neutral court. I was like, yo. Vegas knows some shit. So I think we're going seven here, and I think it's a real coin flip. And then the Heat Celtic series is minus 135. Uh, heat. Oh, so I got great value. Yeah, you got great value. Oh, awesome. Yeah, so I don't think you think. And Lakers are minus 2,000. People are giving <laughs> yeah. no shot. So I think there's Lakers. a and I agree with this. Well, what I would say is one injury, and this is what I've been saying from the beginning of the season, one injury to AD or LeBron, and this Lakers team is in a free fall. Yeah. So I would sprinkle a little bit on Denver and try and uh, – See what's up there. Don't, do that. Don't listen to Phil. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to me either, but that's where that's where I'm at on that. Okay. Um, and then one more <laughs> quick yeah. side and NBA thing. So the MVP went to Giannis. Yeah. There's been some hoopla in the media. Yeah. LeBron saying, yo, these guys who vote on it, you see some of these guys, they're 
50. They live in their mom's basement. That's what he said? It, basically, he inferred that. Yeah. And then on top of it, you have guys. There was a woman who is an anchor on. on yeah, I saw the controversy. On, yeah, on ESPN, Doug Gottlieb, Gottlieb he actor. Was, he went too hard on Maybe went too hard, but also, come on, dude. If you who did cover, you, who really you, covered the league, we maybe need to think about revising this thing. Who did she, I, I didn't hear who she voted for. I don't care. It's, it's not irrelevant. I'm saying let's let's pinpoint what's going on. It's it's very subjective no matter way you look at it, no matter how you look at it, because some people will just go by the eye test. And who am I to say that that's not a good barometer of how good a player is? And conversely, I take a complete analytical approach to it. I'm like, yo, my eyes are always going to give me like a jaded view based on like, you know, it's just very hard to judge and be neutral. So I always look at advanced analytics and I have no problem with the voting. I never try and judge people one way or the other. Unless you make Hassan Whiteside the second defensive player of the year, then give me your fucking ballot and you need to get fought. If I, if he was my employer, I'd say, hey man, like, come in, like, come in, like, oh, let's have lunch. I'd be like, you're fucking fired. Here, here's my concern. Okay. That these people who are voting follow the storylines of the league. Okay, so then you get this this train of thought from everyone. Okay. It's groupthink, basically. Okay. And because they just find the thought. And they're not just night in, night out, turning on Indiana versus uh, Toronto to watch a full fucking game. But then would you judge them for making, like, a system where they're going to say, hey, we're going to look at these 25 stats every year, and we're going to just judge based on that? Like, because... You can't watch every game, obviously. Yeah, so maybe you have different committees. Maybe you have a stat committee. Maybe you have a, a watch committee. And maybe you have a thing. And then these are different percentages of the votes. To break it down even further, maybe we get a little more granular here. Hold on. Hear me out. Okay. Maybe we get a little more granular here. Okay. And we we have, I know we hate players voting, but 5% into the players. 5% yeah. into the coaches. Wait. And 10% into the video room guys. Like, let's maybe get a little nerdy here. That's fine with me. But in the end of the day, dude, what I Can't always... Can't vote on your team or something, you know? That's cool, too. What I always say at the end of the day is, who cares? Who cares? Well, their money, their salaries get tied to this one. For sure. And that's and that's super reasonable. I would just say the most valuable. Do you mean the best? And then everyone's like, no, the most valuable. Like, what the fuck are you talking I mean, about? That's all of Gazy, who the hell knows what that means, right? But I'm just saying, who cares in the end of the day if it is tied to compensation? Sure, but I'm down for whatever. Okay, so now okay. the moment all the listeners have been waiting. What for, have they been waiting for? Phil Mandel has <laughs> made. Okay, he's been taking the streets. He's made his trip to DC. Yeah, I'm back, and we now have the Phil Mandel DC report segment. Go. So I was on the ground in DC. I went to go make some custom suits for people in the White House for people in government. It's a crazy place. It's very politically charged. You know, Black Lives Matter, um, what you would refer to as like an Antifa style, uh, you know, gathering, very aggressive dancing, you know, kind Where? of what what was happening. So Where? I was at DuPont Circle specifically, which is right on 19th and near Q Street. And like basically what goes on is like there's tents everywhere. It's very like unattractive to see as like a visitor. Like it's it looks very like tent city vibes. There was a there's a huge gathering, people like dancing, like kind of like looting and kind of like causing a, like a ruckus, but not being over the top. And then to juxtapose that, you have the nation's capital, you have the most buttoned up people in the world, you have Nancy Pelosi, you have Chuck Schumer, you have Mitch McConnell. So I'm back from D.C. What do you want to know? I was doing interviews. I was on the ground. He was on the ground. He's getting the pulse of the people. Yeah. And 
he was one of the first to find out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg yeah. was murdered with a bullet in her head yeah. by Chuck Schumer. So what, how did this happen? So it's just like the craziest thing, man. You hear Ruth Bader Ginsburg's dies, and my first reaction is, oh my God, how terrible. What a, like, what a great woman for the United States, someone we can be proud of. She was a pioneer for women's rights. She was the second woman on the Supreme Court. So as an American, I was like, oh my God, I'm devastated. Then you go on Twitter, and within eight minutes, Chuck Schumer can't fucking control himself. They didn't put the body on ice yet. Literally. Literally, Ruth, like, God rest her soul, is on the way to the morgue, and Chuck Schumer is drinking a fucking whiskey with rocks in it, and I was like, <laughs> oh my God, we have, this election is a vote to save democracy and for the Supreme Shut the fuck up, Chuck Schumer. All of them, too, like, oh my God, the election is so serious now. Who cares? Worry about your life. I, too, want to keep Roe versus Wade, you know, as the, like, I do think abortions are a good thing, and I don't want anything to get overturned, but you people are sick. Yeah, I, I don't think when, when Schumer tweeted eight minutes, like, after she died, I don't, I think she probably still had a pulse. He, what is going through his head? He's like, okay, condolences. And then he's like, I can't wait. I can't wait anymore. Well, I can't how do you think those eight minutes went? Like, like, it was just like, okay, vision. minute two. Yeah. Minute two, he's like, Yes. Starting to draft the tag. Yeah. Probably like maybe had to like his wife or if he has a wife, he's like, is something wrong? He's like, no, it's he's, he's like, like foaming at the mouth. He's yeah. his neck and like, dude, you politicize everything. Leave us alone. Do your job. Help us out. Yeah, it's a crazy circus right now. And we are so polarized. The country is so angry on both sides. It's insane i can't imagine what will happen if one side wins or the other if trump wins obviously there's going to be unrest in the streets of course and i think underratedly like i don't know how the republicans will react but if biden wins there's people who really love trump they're not going to be happy people they not love trump either exactly to your point either way both sides are going to challenge the legitimacy of the election the integrity of the mail-in ballots the difference between what will be presented on election night and then if there's like a lag period to where they have to count other votes so i think it's a very politically charged time and the message i want to put out on this podcast is like just support your president that's the attitude i'm going in with no matter who wins I'm going to say, you know what, maybe it wasn't my guy, maybe it was my guy. And we just need to celebrate that we are one of the greatest countries of all time. So that's where I'm at. Where are you at? Yeah, um, I am pro a level, a higher level of patriotism. That seems like it's really become unpopular in some circles to be patriotic these sure. days. Uh, so I'm all for that. And we're in the heat of the campaign season. Yeah, it seems slower than normal. Yeah, we're like two months out. And has there been a debate? No, there's a debate coming. But usually isn't there like I'm the media is doing their thing, but usually isn't there more like put out there from yeah, the corona, it's a little awkward, but you have seen we had the ABC town hall with Trump the other day, which basically Trump walked into an alliance and of questions. Like they were one of the questions straight up, I, I didn't see it. not is was like like how do you cope with being a racist? Like, this is the planted question that they gave him. Whether you like Trump or whether you like Biden, the kid gloves approach to Joe Biden interviews compared to the literal insanity of propositioning our president, whether you like him or not, like it is just completely diabolically different. I think it's insane. Well, yeah. And Trump, love him or hate him, he puts himself out there to look foolish because he does put himself out there where Biden is really tiptoeing around the whole process, hoping that, you know, that if he avoids fucking up enough that people will just not realize he's a corpse. I totally agree. I bet you Trump's advisors 
beg him. They're like, do not go do to ABC. ABC. And he's do like, not do ABC. he's like, shut the fuck up. He did it with a tough interviewer. This guy's hard. I didn't man. see it at all. And was it fair though? Or did you think it? Did you no, think it wasn't fair? Because they should be hard on him. This is a very hard time, and you shouldn't go easy on him. Sure. But well, they, they should bring that same energy But then to Anderson Biden. Cooper was with Biden. Yeah, it's a joke. And, like, it's just not What's your that favorite real. song? Yeah, that's what it is. And like. he's like, oh, corn pop. <laughs> yeah. Corn pop. <laughs> but, yeah. That, Sometimes I watch the clips of Biden, and I actually am like, am I watching SNL? This can't be real. I feel, I feel the same way on both sides. I'm just like, I can't believe this TV reality star who was- Trump was campaigning yesterday yeah. somewhere, and he started a tramp. He's like, do you want a woman in the Supreme Court or a man? And everyone's cheering for a woman. He's like, all right, a woman. That's the thing. And that's how it's like. And when we watch The Apprentice. Like we, American Idol. Yeah, it's just like, I mean, yeah, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's, that is a good point, though. I think the people that get angry about Trump don't realize that he is kind of hilarious. He's a sta- you know the guy was like, the guy who won the election in Ukraine was a comedian? He was literally. I heard a, that. Yeah, yeah, he was a comedian. <laughs> People don't realize, but like Trump was a reality TV star. He's kind of just a comedian doing this role. He's a hilarious guy. And he's only hilarious to the people who aren't like physically repulsed by him, obviously. And that is a large portion of the US. So yeah. but for the people that can palate him or like know what an Upper East Side New Yorker is, you you can you can think he's funny unless he's doing something like just insane. Yeah. That's where we're at. Political season yeah. upon us. Fully charged. We will keep you posted. Yeah. Phil may have to hit the streets of D.C. again. Yeah, I'm definitely planning a trip back. You know, I had my microphone out. I was taking videos, so there was a lot to report on, and we're back. Yeah, and if you think, if you hear any stories of, like, Nancy Pelosi's Botox, like, just being stabbed into a 27-year-old suit maker, you know what happened. Exactly. Peace.